And welcome to episode 170 of Some Like It, Scott. I'm your host, Scott Harvey, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Scott Shelton. Today on the podcast, we dance our way through a review of one of the award season's biggest contenders, Steven Spielberg's West Side Story. But first, how are you, Scott? Doing pretty well. It's, I mean, the other day I was talking to a co-worker and I was like, yeah, you know, I was home for Thanksgiving for a week, going to be home around christmas for a week and and saying those words out loud i had to pause and realize that that was only like well now it's only it's less than two weeks away but at the time Mm -hmm. it was like about two weeks away and i was like whoa what um so you know time's flying movies are coming and going um i was building out our podcast schedule a little bit more into the new year because at the time you know a couple days ago i only had it built out through like basically christmas i was like well i should probably send this out now and i was like you know Soon enough, it's the it's the top ten. Then it's the, then it's our own awards, and then it's big boy awards if you want to call them that, and the Oscars and things like that. Um, but it's exciting. A new year is almost come and gone, and we've almost been yeah. around for four years now. Yeah, that's crazy to think about. Um, but yeah, yeah, less than two weeks away from from Christmas, and um, I certainly don't Going get back a week to off. The Matrix. Like- as John I certainly don't get a week off like you do, uh, unfortunately. Well, I'm taking vacation, uh, but yeah, I don't yeah. get the week off just for fun. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, yeah, I, I know that. My, I guess my yeah. point was I don't even get some vacation to take. I don't yes. even have vacation to take at this point, I don't think. But um, but anyway, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm still looking forward to it. I did all my Christmas shopping yesterday, um, so I've got nice. everyone taken care of there, I think. Um, but yeah, mostly looking forward to the movies at Christmas. Yeah. I mean, you mentioned the matrix, but, um, you know, licorice pizza obviously will be coming out. I'll get my chance to see that. Um, you know, we have Spider-Man as well. Um, that is going to be coming out in a couple weeks now. Um, nightmare Alley. and nightmare alley, right. Um, just, you know, several movies around Christmas as, you know, as is tradition around Christmas. Um, sure. also, I mean, re- Red Rocket will be coming out again everywhere, and I've been dying to see it again. So yeah, it came um, out this weekend in in New York, in New York and LA. It's only yeah. a matter of time for other places. Yeah, I think uh, I think they're going to expand next weekend, kind of depending on what the reaction was here. I, but I can't imagine like in New York and LA at least that the screenings weren't mostly like packed. That would be my thought, but I, you know, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I you would also have thought see. that that yeah. West Side Story would crush at the box office, and that hasn't happened. So, you know, we can talk about that. I'm not so surprised. I mean, I'm not so surprised because that's just how we've been trending with all movies. But you know, on paper, I think uh, I, I was know, looking at, at some recent stuff. data of like pre even pre COVID musicals and their opening weekends, especially in December, and nothing's opened above like 23 million. In the U.S., La La Land made twenty-three million in the U.S. on opening weekend. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, I guess you know, number one, this is Steven Spielberg. Number two, this is a True. musical that everyone is familiar with. Um, well, I think that actually might be part love. of the problem that people already know. What yeah, it maybe is so. And, yeah, already yeah. know what it is. Yeah, that's that's certainly possible. 
But anyway, our men- as mentioned, our movie today is West Side Story, Steven Spielberg's long-awaited adaptation of the iconic Jerome Robbins musical and the 1961 Best Picture-winning film based off of it. West Side Story takes Shakespeare's Romeo and Juliet and transplants it to the Upper West Side of Manhattan, where two gangs, the All-American Jets and the Puerto Rican Sharks, have been locked in a vicious turf war for years. The Jets are led by the firebrand Riff, played by Mike Feist, while the Sharks' helmsman is the prideful boxer Bernardo, played by David Alvarez, and an opening struggle between the two gangs foreshadows the events of the story to come. Soon, we meet Tony, played by Ansel Elgort, the former co-founder of the Jets, who is withdrawn from the violence and racism of gang life. When Riff encourages Tony to get back in the mix and help him organize a rumble between the two gangs, Tony is curious enough to show up at a local dance, where suddenly everything changes. That's because Tony spots Bernardo's sister, the beautiful Maria, played by Rachel Zegler, across the gym at the dance, and the two fall in love at first sight. But their romance is, of course, doomed from the start, and when Bernardo sees Tony carousing with his sister, the gang warfare takes on a newfound urgency as the Jets and Sharks hurtle towards a violent rumble, while in the background, Tony and Maria's whirlwind romance tries to blossom under impossible circumstances. Scott, does Spielberg's update of the classic musical breathe new life into old material, or is this yet another unnecessary remake of a film that was more than fine on its own? All right, got to out myself quickly up front. I have not seen the original West Side Story, so I can't make too many judgments on the comparison to old material, et cetera, et cetera. Now, does Steven Spielberg, you know, from my novice perspective, does Steven Spielberg breathe new life into this material? To me, it certainly seems so. I mean, look, I haven't seen the original, but I feel like in my mental image of what the original was like, it probably didn't have like just the kind of just jaw dropping cinematography takes um, the choreography, I'm sure was similar. I, I know that it wasn't exactly the same and something people were complaining about that, but between the choreography and how Spielberg and his cinematographer, who's is, I believe is it? Yeah. I don't know how to pronounce it. Janusz Kaminski um, work yeah, their way that. around this these choreographed numbers and these pieces i just think is like it's pretty exhilarating to be honest i think it's the right way to describe it like between how strong all the performers are in these dance numbers and these um and the different scenes and the camera work it it just feels like it's it's really alive in a way that you know even if that were true in 1961 or whenever the original film came out it certainly feels too true in 2021 um, which I think is pretty remarkable. And it feels like it was a movie that was, you know, that that wasn't necessarily dated back to 1961 or even, you know, the original Broadway musical in the 1950s. So in that sense, I think that I think that he does. And I think he gets a lot of really great performances out of this cast. I I mean, look, I, I think if, if you heard about this movie and gone online, you've heard some comments about certain people in the cast, which we can talk about a little bit later on. Um, but I think over, like generally speaking, the cast is is pretty good. For me, um, I was just sort of really, you know, in awe of, of the craft, which I, I guess is like kind of what you expect from Spielberg. Um, granted, I think people have been softer or, or less wowed by his, some of his more recent work. I mean, people, I mean, movies we recorded on the podcast or, or reviewed on the podcast are Ready Player One and The Post. I think those are not necessarily the films 
where you'd point be like his craft was off the charts in those. Um, yeah, I but was this one feels the, like it. Yeah, I was going to make the point, but you know, look at his last decade, fifteen years of work. Sure. Um, I mean, no one will dispute that Steve Spielberg is one of the greatest to ever do it, but um, he hasn't had you know something. Um, sure. A, a, a massive critical hit. I, I mean, again, people like these movies well enough, but yeah, like the post bridge of spies, yeah. um, you know, these even Lincoln, which right, you know, was an Oscar contender. It feels like these movies just like evaporated from the culture, right? Like nobody is talking about Lincoln or bridge of spies yeah. or, I mean, Daniel day Lewis had to go make post. another movie. So it wasn't his last film. <laughs> that's why that's didn't help. This probably. is true. Cause I think he said at the time it was going to be his last movie and then it wasn't, um, or maybe I'm making that. You might movie. be right. Yeah. Yeah, but anyway, I think I think that this is like a real, like I said, I just felt like really exhilarated by watching some of these sweeping camera takes, by watching these choreographed numbers. Like it's just really um, energizing in a, in a way to see that. And then sort of the, at the meta textual level, like it was just crazy to see like where I literally live um, in this movie. It, granted, you know, fifty plus years ago, before they tore everything down and put apartments up, which is you know half the half the plot of this movie really uh or at least the context for it um but yeah just like really the opening shot or whatever it's like basically this this plot of land that would become lincoln square where i just saw like 15 movies a couple months ago at the new york film festival um you know i, I told you this in um i think in chatting about the film after i'd seen it but like the the salt the salt storage warehouse where they do the rumble you know toward you know two thirds of the way through the movie that is literally 500 feet down the street from my apartment. Uh, the department of sanitation is right there. Um, it's pretty, pretty wild stuff for me just watching it. Um, and yeah, I really enjoyed it. I mean, I really did. I, I think it probably is the musical, um, for me of, of 2021 with other contenders like in the Heights and tick, tick, boom, which are both very strong, um, entries as well. There, <laughs> I was looking at my, my, my letterbox list and they are kind of hover around the same five to 10 spots for me. But this one, I think just edges it out because again, it, it just feels like an, an extra level of craft has gone into this thing from uh, what is it from womb to tomb as, <laughs> as they say in this one. Mm. Um, and yeah, I couldn't appreciate it more for that. Yeah. I mean, I did. So I, I watched the original West Side Story this week for the first time. Um, and it's fantastic. And, you know, I watching this movie, I kind of had the same reaction. This is going to sound like way higher praise than I mean it. But uh, sure. I kind of felt the same as I did watching Little Women 2019 in a way, um, because yeah, you well, watch, you're, like, you're going to say those words. <laughs> you're going to you're going to give people the wrong idea, maybe. <laughs> that's why I gave the disclaimer. But uh, yeah. yeah, I mean. You know, you watch like one of the 1994 version of Little Women, for example, and you're like, this is phenomenal. Like, I don't really get what else they could do here. Right. Like this. I, I You know, I get you have these talented people on paper, but is there anything new that they can really bring to, you know, this story? Um, and I kind of felt, you know, like the same way going into West Side Story, you know, especially even though it's Steven Spielberg, you know, especially with Ansel Elgort being cast as tony you know not someone that i'm a fan of haven't been for a while um you know i was kind of like i'm sure it'll be good because it's spielberg but like is this going to to really you know better the original or you know even match the original and then within like five or ten minutes you know you mentioned that opening shot there's that open there's this long tracking shot at the beginning 
over basically like this condemned slum area, like you said, that, you know, eventually, I guess, becomes Lincoln Square. And, you know, the camera is panning across it. It goes down across this wrecking ball. Um, and then, you know, we meet the Jets and this whole fight happens and they're, you know, we're running down the street. There's a chase. There's all of this. And I'm like, oh, OK, I didn't even realize that you could do this with West Side Story. Like the same way that I was watching Little Women, like I said, it's like, wow, you know, I didn't think that you could do anything different with this. But yeah, then I saw this, um, which is just, I think, the sign of of a great, great artist. Um, and, you know, Spielberg certainly is that. But I think just in general, he just opens up the world so much more in this movie than in the older one. And it's not even something that I thought that much about when I was watching the 1961, because again, it's really, it's really well done. Um, you know, it won nine Oscars or something for a reason. Um, but, um, you know, then, like I said, like, you know, you it, you know, even from the very beginning, like they're running down the street, there's just like a, a more of a sense of place. Um, it feels cinematic as opposed to some of the Staged. moments in the original, which now looking back, yeah, it almost feels like, yeah, you know, the choreography and everything is amazing and what's all going on. But it's a it's a little claustrophobic. It's a little like, yeah, like almost like you're watching people perform on a stage, like you're watching a really, really good stage production of West Side Story. Um, and in here you are watching a movie and there's really no um you know doubts about that again from the very beginning um so i think that's really like the greatest achievement that spielberg is able to accomplish here is that um you know just visually i guess um the the world just feels so more expansive and i don't want to say vibrant because the original movie feels very vibrant and alive as well um but yeah, I mean, I, again, like I said, I think opening up the world just undeniably makes the movie feel like it has more of a beating heart to it. Also, I think he does the same thing with the characters in a way, opening them up. Um, I think Tony and Maria's romance is more fleshed out than it is in the original uh, movie. There's more scenes of them together. You know, I think by its nature, the story is always like the romance is always going to seem like like that like it just happened right um because you know it, the movie is basically set over one day um so it, it's it always is, it is a weakness a, of the movie too in my opinion that yeah. is that is a it's weakness. always going to feel a little bit rushed um but i think the spielberg and tony kushner who i think deserves a shout out here too because sure. um you know his screenplay is a lot of um you, you know is is a lot of what i'm talking about here with expanding on the characters and everything um you know, that the, he gives them, they, they're trying to acknowledge that, hey, this romance happens pretty quickly. We're going to give them as much time together as possible. And also making Maria, I think, a more pragmatic character in a way that um, we'll we'll talk about maybe. But um, sure. so I think all of these things are, are big improvements. There's also some different things structurally. Again, talking about Little Women, um, he moves certain songs around in the story. Um, I feel pretty is in a different spot. Cool, cool, and I feel pretty end up in a different spot. In, in um, in the in the original movie, cool is actually like after the rumble, and I feel pretty is before. And now they're both like before, or yeah, they're both before the rumble. Uh, or I'm sorry, no, uh, cool. I feel is pretty is right the after the rumble. Yeah, and I feel pretty is right after the rumble, which I thought was actually a great decision because um, it's extra sad 
Now that song is like extra, it has an extra note of poignancy to it when the rumble has already happened and you know what has happened. But, um, but yeah, uh, I mean, I think the movie is pretty close to spectacular um, on the whole. Again, like I said, I think it, amazingly, it is better than the original. Like, I can't believe I'm saying that, but I do think it is better than the original for all these reasons. It's also just like one of those, you know, it's it's a movie, right? You're just like sitting there and you're watching it. And it's like, just like, you know, there are some of the, some of the highs in this movie, some of the, you know, musical numbers like America, I think is definitely one of the highlights of the movie. Um, and, you know, visual stuff, like I said, that he's doing and the choreography and, you know, you walk into the dance and everyone's just swirling around and all this. And you're just like, I love movies. Like it's one of those types of movies. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, I do think, you know, like you mentioned, Tick, Tick, Boom and uh, and In the Heights are really strong, um, particularly In the Heights, I think, um, are, are really, you know, really strong. I think this probably is the best one. I mean, it is the best directed of all those, probably. But also, I think it just sure. it also has the benefit of probably having the best music of, of those for sure. Uh, I mean, West Side Story probably is top. Take that, Lin-Manuel Miranda. Yeah, well, West Side Story is probably top five of any musical in terms of, like, the songs. Um, I don't think that's controversial to say, but, like, I mean, it's just one banger after another, really. I mean, the end, the last couple of songs maybe are drag on a little too long, but, like, everything else is just fire. Um, and the movie flies by, it really does. Like, I was, I saw this at the Alamo Draft House last night, and, you know, they have the little, like, light under your tray table or whatever so that you can look at the menu or whatever and at one point i like leaned over and my watch you know glinted in the light and i looked at it and i was like what like i could not believe how much time had passed like i what? genuinely could not had believe how much time had passed because i was so swept away by it um sure. or maybe i was just swept away eating my chicken sandwich but either That's way a good chicken sandwich um, the movie flies by um and you know i, I think earns its runtime for the most part, even though, you know, may, maybe the third act, maybe like the final 20 minutes or so do drag out a little bit, but, um, I will know, say is one, it didn't feel like it needed to be two and a half hours long. <laughs> well, again, I mean, the original movie is the musical. Sure. I'm sure probably, it's probably even longer. So it's just one just of because the original, I, original did, it doesn't mean this one should have done it though. I know, I know. Um, yeah. but I think it, 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 uh, it earns its runtime more than, you know, a lot of a lot of longer movies. I mean, sure. certainly no time to die didn't need to be two hours and forty minutes. But um, you're coming, you're coming to the wrong audience to talk about no time to die. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, the movie is spectacular. Um, you know, I, I said I said last week I think that I still think this movie is going to to make a push in awards season. Oh, I agree. You know, it ha hasn't done great at the box office. That doesn't usually matter, but. Um, I just think a Steven Spielberg West Side Story is going to be pretty hard for voters to ignore. And I'm happy to say that at the end of the day, when all is said and done, even though it's not my favorite movie of the year, if this wins Best Picture, I will say, all right, I get it. Like it, it was it was a great movie. Oh, God. Um, can you imagine? Can you imagine? Imagine Twitter if West Side Story won won Best Picture, though. It's it's going to be a nightmare no matter what wins. I mean, they're going they're again. I was saying this to you beforehand, but it just feels like they're every single week now. There's a movie coming out and there's takes about it. Um, yeah. A lot of them being not very good takes. Talk talk um, about boring safe picks though. I mean, Spielberg is it's a really well made film, but what a 
a, a ninth a, a remake of a 1961 movie would be a really the also one best picture would just yeah be, I, it is but i guess what i'm saying is you know you expect the oscars to make the safe choice although i will give them um some credit because you know parasite and nomadland the last two years i don't feel like we're the safe choice in either instance well, but I, you don't think nomadland was a safe choice last year i don't i mean that that movie is a lot more off. It's so pro Amazon, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Here we Sorry, go. I just had to, um, I had to pull that. It's one a out lot here. more offbeat than your average U.S. picture winner. I guess no, my that, point is, fair. you know, if if we're thinking about, you know, the down the middle Oscar stuff, um, you know, the Green Books and all, at least we got a great movie here, right? At least if they're going to go with the safe choice, at least the safe choice is a great movie for once. Um, so I will, I will stand up for it in that regard, but. Um, Has the best Scott, choice really been that bad in the past few years, except for Green Book? I mean, I guess I'm no. Still, I mean, I you, seen got, Shape you of had Water. Moon, you had Moonlight, yeah. Shape of Water, I feel like was probably a pretty safe choice. I feel like um, it's a it's a weirdo choice, though. I don't know. It's weird to say that it's a safe choice because of what the subject matter was, but yeah, I, I don't. I guess I, I think that might mean it's not a safe choice. <laughs> I guess I don't know enough, uh, you know, to say. Uh, because I haven't seen it, but uh, yeah. certainly it's not a movie that people talk about or love in the way that they love Moonlight or Parasite or even. I mean, ta- yeah, talk about talk about movies that have disappeared from conversation. Does anyone talk about Shadow yeah. Water anymore? Not really. Um, but Scott, something that people are talking about um, is the performance okay. of one Ansel Elgort in West Side Story, and I think we can maybe start there oh. since it is, you know, the oh. one We're saving the best for first. I see. The one universal negative that most people seem to have with the movie is is his performance. There were concerns about his casting um, from the very beginning. Um, a, a lot of that having to do with, you know, stuff off camera, stuff that, you know, has happened in, in the real world with Ansel Elgort and allegations that have been made against him. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, t- putting all that aside, Scott, um, what do you think about his performance in the movie? Is it as much of a downer as everyone seems to be suggesting? Yeah. Um, I think So I think my take on this is a little complicated. And I think from what I was reading in your letterbox review last night, actually pretty similar to yours, is that mm-hmm. this guy, this guy sucks. Like this guy's like not a good, is not good in this movie. Um, he, it, it almost just jerks you out of it at certain moments um, with just how not good he is in this movie and i think i know we both felt the same way when we reviewed the goldfinch a couple years ago um that i baby driver he was like fine in baby driver i guess i guess they it, didn't more cast his personality in baby driver yeah yeah, yeah it, ca- it cast more to his personality i guess in baby driver so maybe that was he got off the hook a little bit easy in that one but he he's like not good in this at the same time i don't feel like he's like nuclearly bad where it like kind of just like creates a crater in the film um because i do think there's so much just emotion and strength coming all around him from different roles um but he like he's bad like this this movie could get nominated for a razzie for his performance for sure um while taking home a bunch of awards at the oscars like it, it is that bad it has bad moments i will say that on the whole i just think it's mediocre and maybe i just prepared myself because everyone was talking about how bad it was. Um, yeah. I mean, there's a particular moment very early on, like after you meet him at the dance, where he, 
I feel like this is probably getting, I haven't spent enough time on Twitter to see this, but it's like gotta be getting memes, right? Like he's like, he just says, Maria? Like when, yeah. when, when, well, when Fr- Bernardo says her name, I was like, what on earth was that dude? Oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> Cause he's like, he's picking up on what her name is, but yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Friend of the show, Paul Oyama had seen this movie and he was talking about just how horrendous that Ansel Elgar was. And he said there was one moment, the moment that he talked about was, yeah, definitely one of the worst moments, which is at the end when he finds out what has happened to Maria or what what hasn't happened to Maria. What Valentina tells him has happened to yeah. Marina, Maria because, you know, Anita has lied to her about it. But um, and his reaction, someone needs to screen grab his face like yeah. in that it's- three seconds. Yeah, it was deranged. Um, the scene he thought he was me, on I succession guess, what, for a minute. Yeah, the scene for me was. The, the one where they're at the gardens and he's talking about how he yeah. killed somebody and went to jail or well, d- didn't kill almost someone. almost, almost killed, killed yeah. someone in this previous rumble. Yeah. It's just not believable at all. Like sure. Ansel Elgort, like I don't believe that this guy is the, you know, the tough guy or what the like, um, you know, softened up tough guy that this character is supposed to be. To be fair, I don't really think that Richard Boehmer was in the original film. I I mean, he's definitely better than Ansel Elgort. It was here, just acting-wise. But I don't know that they've gotten this role completely right, at least as I envision it. Um, Also, just like, why why not just cast a new person like Rachel Ziegler? Just find some guy. Like, find Mike, like, look, go find another Mike Feist or Feist or however you pronounce his last name. It doesn't, that kid's believable. It doesn't make, yeah, it doesn't make any sense, like, on a macro level. I, I mean, uh, I, you know, I've kept saying this, but, like, I, I can't get over the fact, you know, Spielberg has been dying to make this movie for years, right? Like, um, he's, West Side Story has been a labor of love for him. Um, you know, you have to think, he probably went over this in his head many times. You know, he probably had his perfect vision of you know, what this was going to be. He, he probably didn't want to make the movie until he knew he would get it perfect. And somehow, after all that, the person you end up with as, yes, this is the perfect Tony, like, to do this. I finally found the person. Is Ansel Elgort? Like, are you serious? Um, I don't get it. But at the same time, I don't think his performance, like you said, it doesn't torpedo the movie. Everything else is just so strong that I think, I mean, on the one hand, it does make it stand out more that Ansel Elgort isn't. But also, like, if if that is ruining the movie for you, then that's kind of sad because, like, uh, you know, there's just so much about this movie to like and to, you know, admire um, that if you're going to let, you know, Ansel Elgort's mediocre self be the thing which just craters the whole experience for you, then that that's that's pretty sad. I will say, I mean, he sings all right, like, which is is you know at least a plus at least it's yeah, not i, a I feel like Christmas, people have which... been like crucifying his singing i was like i don't know like it it's wasn't rachel ziegler but it's it's well, not no, like yeah. russell crowe or whatever yeah it's it's not russell crowe it's not pierce brosnan in mamma mia yeah. it's um it, 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 it is weird it's though because it feels like you could have just kind of gone and casted someone who sang really well and was didn't didn't well really... right this is this is the part this is the thing i've always said about you know musicals is that movie musicals yeah. is that what's the point if you're just going to cast Hollywood stars and everything? And, you know, they've done a good job this year, right? With, you know, in the Heights, they casted people like Anthony Ramos with um, Tick, Tick, Boom. Sure, they had Andrew Garfield in there, but, you know, you also have people like Joshua Henry and Vanessa Hudgens. and um, Also, Andrew Judith Garfield Light can sing. And Andrew Garfield can sing, yeah. 
do with like, you know, more, more seasoned performers. Um, so they, you know, they've been doing it right. And for the most part, they do it right here too. Um, you know, sure. there's not that many recognizable people in the cast, um, you know, other than Rita Moreno, who obviously is in the original, yeah. um, Brian Darcy, Corey James, Stoll, Corey Stoll. Corey Stoll, who doesn't sing. Um, yeah. so that's fine. And Brian Darcy James, but he's also a, a theater performer primarily. So, uh, um, say recognizable name, but also he doesn't sing either. So that's, you know, cause he plays officer Kripke, but, um, anyway, uh, yeah, the, it's just bizarre. It, I mean, more than anything, more, more than the performance is bad. It's just like bizarre that this was the person that they ultimately went with to play this role. Um, yeah. and I guess that's, that's really where I, where I come down on it, but Scott shifting gears, um, on the other side of the equation, I think, um, I we're probably both pretty positive about Rachel Ziegler. Uh, you know, you, you mentioned, you alluded to it maybe a little bit, but she basically got this part through an open casting call, um, submitting a video of her singing, I feel pretty and tonight, um, and out of, you know, thousands of people who submitted videos and auditions and whatnot, um, you know, she, she was given the role and, you know, we actually already know too that, you know, before this movie has even come out, she's been already been cast as Snow White as well in the Snow White remake that Disney is mm -hmm. doing. Um, so, you know, a lot also, of, is that the one that has Gal Gadot as the evil queen? I think so. Yeah. Um, a lot of buzz surrounding her before she's ever, you know, before you've ever even seen a film performance of hers. Does she live up to the hype, Scott? I mean, frankly, yeah. I I don't think that she's the best performance in the movie for me. But in terms of the the best version that I think you could imagine for Maria in in twenty twenty one with a newcomer playing the role, like absolutely. I mean, she's she is short of stature in the film. Everyone seems to be a lot taller than her, but she has the voice and, frankly, like the chemistry and the attitude and the swagger, um, if that's the right word for it, to stand as tall if not taller than most other people she's on the screen with i i was really impressed i think that not only the i mean the singing which you know it's kind of again we talked about it's kind of a necessary if you're going to be a newcomer in this movie in one of these movies you kind of the whole point is you kind of gotta sing um and she's got that on lock for sure and i was i was also impressed with her with her chops to stand toe to toe um with her family whether it's anita or whether it's bernardo um whether it's tony right um all like all around i was just i was very impressed i mean we could talk about individual moments but um yeah the, the the charm that she sort of brings to the role but also the sincerity as well like as i've talked about this a little bit earlier uh very briefly but you know i think that i think that the, the sort of whirlwind romance of it all over 24 hours is silly but she brings a sort of level of earnestness um to the to the performance that almost makes it um believable and, and i think you called it almost like she, she brings like some more logic uh or more groundedness um to the whole affair and, and i would agree with that so i think she's just adding a lot to to the overall composition of the film um in a very important role yeah i mean maria is much more pragmatic like i said um like in the original film they're both just kind of like star-crossed like you know sure completely in love and you know obviously she is she does love tony but like she is much more in touch with reality and like mm -hmm. 
I don't think this is actually going to be able to work out right. Like, um, you know, thinking about the, the rumble and she has, she has the scene where she's like, Oh, you know, I, I, I guess, you know, originally I wanted you to try to stop the violence, but now, you know, I realize I don't even want you near it. Like, I don't even want you going there at all. Um, you know, just mm -hmm. those sort of moments make this a more three-dimensional character, right? Um, sure. Yeah. Which is obviously what you want. Um, and so I, I think, um, I think that was a, a good decision, um, to make her kind of a voice of reason in a way while still, you know, having the central romance very much in place. But yeah, I mean, talking about Ansel Elgort's performance again, like, I think one of the reasons I didn't find that it was so bad is because of her performance, because of Rachel Ziegler's performance, because, you know, sometimes you would see a movie like this where, you know, where one, per where one person is so much more adept than the other. Um, and you'd be like, oh, wow, the gap is huge here. Like, you know, the mm -hmm. she's just so much better than he is. But it's almost like she has this orbit where anytime she's on screen with somebody else, like they they just come off looking better. Right. Like, you know, better than they should, I guess. Not better than her, um, but, you know, better than they should. Um, better than they would like, otherwise. Yeah. Um, and so I think, like, again, another reason Ansel Elgort's performance isn't isn't as bad for me is because he shares a lot of scenes with her and you know whatever whatever i mean she has it she has the star quality and that um you know that it, when she brings people into their orbit even if it's somebody into her orbit even if it's somebody as mediocre as ansel elgort um she makes them better as well which i, I think is a, you know very impressive um she sings sings great and like yeah the i feel pretty scene i mean i just i love that scene in general um in this movie because it looks amazing um the department store the colors everything that is going on there is just gorgeous um but then also her her song like it, it is one of those like a star is born type moments that's how i felt watching that um like you know this uh, this is a real discovery i think that spielberg has made here um and certainly, I'm not going to say I'm excited for the Snow White movie, especially Gal Gadot playing the Evil Queen. Um, but, I think Gal Gadot as the Evil Queen could actually work, though. For even though she's, I mean, she yeah, has one, we'll she's got one note, and I think she might be able to hit it with the Evil Queen. You may be right, but uh, but yeah, I'm I'm very excited to see what she does in the future. And you know, she's been getting a lot of Oscar buzz. I think it's deserved. I mean, I think. For, number one, for me, she is the strongest performance in the movie. Um, I, I would go that far. And number two, I think um, I was looking at my, I, I keep a running note of like performances and everything, my top performances of the year. And sure, I was looking at best actress, normally a loaded category. It feels like actually the lightest maybe of this year uh, of the category. I, maybe it's just well, I haven't seen the right movie. You haven't, you haven't seen, yet. I would say you haven't seen the movies yet. Mostly. Okay. Well, which one are you thinking? Which ones are you thinking of? Like maybe like Alana Haim or um, yeah, I think Licorice Pizza, Parallel Mothers, The Worst Person in the World. Yeah, that's those are that's things that are like at the top of my list. Yeah, well, that yeah, that's that's probably fair. Um, you know, at the same time, I guess I, when I went to my Best Actress field right now, I did not have a hard time plugging her in there. Um, I guess also, it's, I mean, Nightmare Alley's getting buzzed right, both for Kate Blanchett and Rooney Mara. Yeah, yeah. Um, are those going to be lead performances or supporting? 
I assume at least one of them will be a lead performance, but that's okay. a fair question about which one. I see. Maybe not. Maybe they're both supporting. Maybe you're right. I don't know. I, I don't know how much screen time either of them. Yeah. Have. And I think you have like performances that, again, as always, you have stuff that is like towing the line, like, um, mm-hmm. you know, like, like uh, Ruth Naga, for example, in passing. Like, is that a lead performance? Is that a supporting performance? Hard not, to say. Right? Jody Comer, Jody Comer in The Last Duel, right? Is that a lead? Is that a supporting? I think um, you could make an argument that it's a lead. More so than yeah, you could. That's what I. That's what I'm saying. You can make an argument either way. I think. Um, but I, th- I don't know. I think Ruth Nega is a supporting performance, but that's just me. Fair enough. Um, uh, and then Nicole. But any and being there. Anyway, my point is well, yeah. Um, but anyway, Look, she'll probably uh, win the, the Oscar. Dan, I don't know what's for the AMC ad, right? Um, but yeah. Oh yeah. Sorry. Uh, I, did I did I say being the Ricardos? I meant uh, heartbreak feels good in a place like this. Yeah. I hope that's on her we sizzle reel. Laugh to cry to care. Um, Maybe they'll put that as an inner sizzle reel. I really hope so. That would be that'd be great. By the way, there's a hilarious clip that's been going around of Stanley Tucci. I don't know if you've seen it during the Oscars when he was the only time he's been nominated, which is crazy. But when in the Lovely Bones, when he played the serial killer, and a lot of people were, you know, just think it's an over the top performance. Um, and they play his Oscar clip and. It, this is at the Oscars, right? His Oscar clip plays or whatever, and he's being all creepy and everything. And then it's just a cut to Stanley Tucci in the audience, and he just shakes his head, and it looks <laughs> like he, it looks like he like looks over at somebody and is like awful. Um, it, it's it's pretty hilarious. Like he he was all of us in that moment. But anyway, um, I would like to think that Nicole Kidman would do that as well if they showed her AMC. But um, you wouldn't you wouldn't be able to see any expression on her face though. That's the only problem. That's true. I don't think she's capable of doing that anymore. But. Um, Anyway, enough about her. My point is, I think Rachel Ziegler fits right in the best actress race for me. I don't know if she'll win. I still think it's Kristen Stewart's race to lose probably at this point. But um, there's a lot of time. There's a lot of time left. Uh, stranger things have happened. And I mean, look, the thing's um, at the end of March. It's got so much time left. I'm talking three and a half yeah. months for the Oscars. Lord. I saw someone saying on Twitter last night that, um, you know, people like. Rachel Ziegler and uh, Cooper Hoffman and Alana Haim are like really getting uh, like, you know, this being their first movie, right. That, you know, they get to work with PTA, they get to work with Spielberg and these like huge projects or whatever. Um, Uh You know, the, the rest of their career might be a little bit of a come down. That's probably a little bit strong, um, a little bit of, you know, strong of a take, but at the same time, um, you know, who knows whether Rachel Ziegler will ever have this kind of a high again, but sure. you know, I think I do think she's a real discovery. I don't think this is. I do think we're going to see more of her in in you know big projects. I don't think this is going to be one of those things that we'll look back at and be like, "Huh, hey, I wonder whatever happened to her." Um, I think. Yeah. Will you ever be the lead of a remake of a of the most famous musical of all time with Steven Spielberg directing? Now, I mean, like that's just like inherently yeah. impossible to like top almost. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so I think maybe the maybe the point was well, she's going to be the first in, female in tweet, lead in a Nolan but, movie. I'm calling a shot now. <laughs> we'll see. I'm all for yeah. it. Um, I don't Scott, think it's going to happen, but we'll see. The support, the supporting cast here, I think, is also you know strong. Again, a lot of people, very you know, probably a mixture, I guess, of people you haven't heard of and people you have heard of. I mean, you know, the the, the newcomers are Mike Feist, who plays Riff. Um, you have David Alvarez, who plays Bernardo. You have Ariana Dubose, who plays Anita. Um, and then, you know, you have the more familiar faces, you have Rita Moreno who played uh, Anita in the original 
in this completely new role of Valentina, um, this this new character that was not it's in the original. It's like just film. a gender swapped role, right? Wasn't it? Wasn't it Doc before in the original, and then it's yeah, but he's he's just not as integral to anything mm. um, gotcha. in the original. But um, you have her playing Valentina, and then yeah, the the cops you have. Um, you have Officer Krupke played by Brian Darcy James, and then you have the lieutenant who's played by um, Corey Stoll. Um, what did you think, Scott, about the supporting cast who stood out for you? Man, I thought the supporting cast was loaded, frankly, and mm-hmm. none more so than those. the first name you mentioned. I think Mike Faced is, I think I described it to you as he absolutely hums in this film. I mean, from the second he sort of, his, his like figure sort of, steps out from what was it like a some machinery that he was in with with his girlfriend or yeah it's a great or, great introduction yeah. yeah yeah truly a great introduction um yeah and until i mean big spoilers i guess if you don't know the plot of west side story until he he dies in the rumble like i, I just thought this film like he just absolutely owned this film whenever he was on the screen i thought he was that good that charismatic that roguish i guess that's the right word to use for a character like this um, I think he just had it all right. He had like this, this like particular um, brand of loyalty, but also questioning someone like Tony, like he's loyal to Tony, but he's also tired of Tony's shtick about sort of just like faffing about, if you will, um, you know, not really living up to the standard that that he believes Jets should hold themselves to. And I just I loved his performance. I really did. It was my favorite in the cast. Um Frankly, the, the the film got less good for me when he died. Uh, again, we're talking marginal, not like it just bottoms out. But without him on the screen, it just felt a little. Everything just felt like a little less alive, which maybe is the point, right? Like just think, so many people are dying, right? Like Bernardo's died too. The film is is less full of life. Um, just so you know, I felt nothing when when Ansel Elgort died on the ground, but <laughs> that's fine. Um, yeah, Mike Faced is is amazing absolutely will not probably get a nomination for best supporting actor but best supporting actor in my heart nomination for sure uh really really fantastic stuff i think you also mentioned is it david alvarez for bernardo and ariana debose mm-hmm. Th- those two are also big standouts for me too i really liked I, I don't feel like that many people are are talking about david alvarez that much um but i really i really liked the performance a lot i think that the the tete-a-tete that he has with mike Faists, um character is is really again just like really live wire stuff uh, their their interactions from the opening number to again the rumble in the warehouse it's really powerful um and adds a lot to uh, adds a lot to what's on the screen he has this machismo kind of mentality boxer family kind of guy who doesn't want anyone to to come near you know his his girlfriend and his girlfriend's sister or I guess his sister, not his girlfriend's sister, his sister. Um, and again, like not the best characteristics to have as a human being, but that character, I mean, he made it feel so real to me. Um, and I and I really loved that. Ariana DeBose as well. You know, I was less impressed with her earlier on, but I think as sort of the tragedy of the film unfolds, I think she is able to show a particular range and a particular nuance that I hadn't necessarily expected earlier in the film. And I think she sort of came out of her shell to, for me in the second half um you know even beyond just the really strong performances she was giving in in the you know in the dance numbers and the singing as well um she has an extra layer to it and that and you know sort of the third act 
where she's going over to <clears throat> Valentina's, um, I guess, like drugstore and trying to pass a message on to Tony from God, so many names from Maria. Um, <laughs> and yeah. that I mean, that whole scene is I mean, it's pretty, pretty dark. Um, but I think she plays it so well that again it just felt extremely real and the other supporting performances in this cast are really great too but those are the three for sure that stood out yeah i mean funny story mike feist um there was an amazon series earlier this year called panic um that's mm -hmm. based on a book that i really liked um and i watched the first few episodes and i still haven't finished it it was it was all right but um Mike Feist is in that. Uh, he's one of the the lead roles. He's the, kind of the lead male character in the whole thing. And like, I remember seeing the first West Side Story trailer, and I was like, "Is that the guy from Panda? Like, there's no way, right? That this guy from this random Amazon series is going to be in Steven Spielberg's West Side Story." But yet, it's him. Um, he's great. Yeah, he 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 is great. And they really take a different direction with this character, which again all very conscious efforts to update this because I think the Jets the Jets are kind of the good guys in the original movie in a way I mean they're, de they're definitely not the good guys in this one they're portrayed as a lot cooler um, sure. than they are in this this movie um, and yeah that's not the case with Riff like he's racist he's you know violent he's he's not a good he's not a nice guy not a nice guy at all um, and the movie doesn't make any bones about that, which is good. Um, and on the flip side, yeah, with the, the sharks, more time is given to them. You know, Bernardo's whole thing about being a boxer, that's not in the original, you know, movie. They don't, they don't really give them a lot of backstory. Um, a lot of, you know, the, the sharks, um, which again, just a product of his time probably. Um, and you know, I, I sound like I'm being hard on the original movie, like, it is still a fantastic movie like it is i have to i have to say that uh, but all reasons that i think this one is is better um you know to some degree are the the efforts to update it like i don't hold these things against the old movie because it was just you know it came out in 1961 that was just you know it was a product of its time but it's also hard not to think when these things are fixed or updated or bettered or whatever um, in the, the new movie that, well, what we have here is a overall more satisfying, better crafted film. Um, and, you know, maybe 50 years from now, this one will have aged badly, too. Who knows? Um, Ansel Elgort's performance. Only because it has Ansel Elgort in it, though. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't even want to think about where he's going to be in 50 years. But... Um, but yeah, uh, I think the supporting cast is good. You know, Ariana Dubose, I think, has the the hardest job here because sure. her the original performance of Anita, played by Rita Moreno, is the iconic. most iconic yeah. uh, performance in the original movie. It, it's just one of those like untouchable movie performances. Um, after, you know, after watching it this week, I feel confident in saying that, and I don't think she touches it. Like I, I just don't. Um, but she does a good job. Yeah, I mean, she, she brings the emotion in that, you know, the attempted rape scene that happens there in Valentina's mm -hmm. shop um, towards the end. Uh, you know, I, th I think she, you know, she nails the the big moments. She's certainly not um, bad or anything, but she just doesn't have it. Like, like take the take what we're saying about Rachel Ziegler in this movie. I think that's kind of what Rita Moreno had in in the original 
movie. I mean, Natalie Wood was fine too as Maria, but um, it Rita Moreno was like the one who grabbed that movie and um, you know took hold. And to her credit, I mean, that's, that's why 90... West Side Story is synonymous with Rita Moreno and not Natalie Wood. Yeah, name. well, she's the day. person who gets brought back. I mean, well, Nat- Natalie Wood obviously could not be brought back, but um, we, we don't need to get into Natalie Wood death conspiracy theories here. But Rita Moreno, <laughs> to her credit. She's 90 years old and she still brings it in this movie. Like they let her sing somewhere, which is, you know, another choice that gets made here. Um, one of the most famous songs in the musical. And it's lovely. Um, I think, um, you know, towards the end when the sharks all or when the jets all come by uh, or no, sorry, when the sharks all come by and they're, you know, they Bernardo has sorry. died um, and, you know, they're looking for Tony basically. And she's kind of left there in the street and, you know, again, a powerful moment. Like I was really impressed, you know, again, at what she's able to bring at, at 90 years old. I don't think she's missed a beat here. And I thought, you know, again, you, you, it may be one of those things you, you look at on paper and it gives you some pause like, oh, we're going to just invent this role basically just so we can get Rita Moreno like back in the movie to do something. Um, I don't know about this, but it, it works like it, it just flat out works like all the choices that Spielberg and and uh, Kushner make here, with the exception of choosing Ansel Elgort, um, just feel like they work and they had the the desired effect. I, I think having this, you know, Puerto Rican character who is so important in in Tony's life and is kind of a, a mediator in a way um, towards the end, I think is 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 a great great decision um it just adds more more texture again it adds more texture to that world that i'm talking yeah. about you know he builds out that world here's another person that feels more fleshed out is not just a caricature is not just somebody who's there in the background we actually have you know scenes of her talking about her immigrant experience coming to america um and it's so know, weird to me that on this point though it's so weird to me that tony would be really close with yeah a Puerto Rican. They don't really explain grandmother that. and why this person would be close with Tony. <laughs> like that actually to me, I mean, you say it adds like texture to, to like the context of, of this, but in many ways I find it confusing. Like you have all the, you have Tony and then, you know, riff running around here who are like pretty openly racist well, Tony, but Tony's I mean, not I, to be fair. Tony's not. Yeah, I was going to say at the but... beginning of the movie, I think we're supposed to, you know, I think it's pretty clear that Tony has take stepped away from that life. He's withdrawn. From but, that it's, life. but it's been like a matter of like months, not like he was in jail for a year and he's been back a, a short amount of time. Mm-hmm. I'm, I presume that everything before going to jail would make, you know, this Valentina fig character like probably despise him. Right. Like, I, I just thought it was a little bit strange. Not that I'm opposed to to shoehorning Rita Moreno into a West Side Story remake, but it, to me, it felt yeah. kind of strange that, that these things I mean, came together the way they did. Yeah, I, I, I will say, I think there is, though, a running thread in this movie, again, more prominently than in the original, that the things like that women have to, you know, put up with, you know, because this whole thing is just this, mm-hmm. you know, machi- struggle of machismo, right, between these two male-centric oh, sure. gangs. Um, and you know, that, that rape scene that I mentioned, the attempted rape scene of Anita, you have, you know, the 
two, well, there's anybody's right who is probably supposed to be a trans character, but they don't really. Not probably. You know, it is supposed to be a trans character. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's just not, <laughs> it's not really that explicit in the movie, but um, you have anybody's and then you have um, Grazie, Graziella, I think is her name, the, the one who was like, I guess an ex flame of Tony or whatever. Yeah. 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 Um, and, and both of them are like really protesting what is happening to Anita when the, the sharks or when the jets are, you know, about to do, you know, about to rape her basically. Um, and that, you know, again, not something that happens in the original movie. It just feels like there's a more pronounced, um, idea about like, you know, you see Graziella there like outside the, you know, beating on the door, like, stop, like, don't do this. Um, there's a more, you know, pronounced like threat thread about the things that women endure. And like, you know, he, this is a moment where the bond or the, the divide between jets and sharks, right? Because obviously Graziella or whatever her name is, is with the jets and our, um, Anita is with the sharks. This is a moment where like those barriers get broken down because this is a woman who sees another woman, um, you know, in a situation that many women yeah, being have, abused. unfortunately had to endure. So yeah. I maybe I'm, I'm, you know, giving it too much credit. Maybe there's something there in the whole Rita Moreno thing too, about, you know, this is just what she's been putting up with maybe since she, she came to America um, as you know, she's had to deal with men fighting and, you know, having disgusting attitudes. I mean, because, you know, when, when she discovers that what's about to happen in her, um, in her story, you know, she freaks out and calls them all animals and, um, and all that. So she reacts appropriately there, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, there's probably not a good answer for it within the movie, but just, just a theory, I guess. Um, Scott, anything else you want to add, um, here about, you know, the, climax of the movie or anything i will say i find it really funny the way that tony's death happens like so you know he in the in the original movie they like run to each other and they hug and like that's the moment when chino shoots him basically when they're like embracing well here he sees maria across the street he starts running towards her chino comes out and shoots him in the back and he just keeps on running, right? Like he doesn't stop and turn around and be like, on the maybe prize, I should try to stop this guy from shooting me again. He just like, nah. he gets shot in the back and just keeps going. And then of course he gets shot a couple more times and, you know, dies. But um, I just thought that was kind of a weird way to do that. Like that he just didn't even feel it, I guess. Just didn't even face him. All, all he had on his mind was, was getting to Maria. But um, you, you've never felt love like that in the first 24 hours. I guess not. I mean, yeah, look, the ending, I mean, I think it's it's mostly well done. Like, it's affecting, like, I didn't tear up or anything, but, um, no. you know, I, I think I think the, they hit the beats, you know. Look, I, I'm sorry, guys. I know I know this is, like, a lame criticism, but, like, I, can't, I just can't be sad about Ansel getting shot and dying in this movie. I don't even mean that as, like, some, like, yeah. scathing tip. If it was it's Maria like, who died, I don't feel I anything. feel differently. Yeah, yeah sure, 100%. Um, it's just, it's just, sorry, stop casting Ansel Gordon movies. I think that's a solid note to, to end the review on, but, uh, Scott, what's your favorite scene or moment from West Side Story? Yeah, I guess, uh, favorite scene or moment. It's gotta be something with, with, with Mike faced, feist. I don't know. We'll, we'll go back. We'll go back, uh, to 
to the uh, pronunciation dictionary and figure out how to pronounce his last name because I don't I don't know how to do it. Is it have you heard interviews? Is it Feist? I'm not sure. Okay, uh, Mikey F. Uh, not to be confused with Mikey Saber. Uh, Mikey F. Um, <laughs> over here. I, I do think the it's the rumble right to, to me the rumble feels like the climax of the movie i know there's like i mean maybe there's two climaxes in the film with the final scene as well but god god forbid um we show best scenes or moments in, in our trailer scott because west side story did, did it again um the the shadow the shot yeah, above the great looking shot. down on the shadows i mean that is i mean that's that's a one perfect shot right there um truly amazing but I just think like any time sort of, you know, this character of Riff is getting to sort of strut his stuff, so to speak, um, you know, R- Rumble included because, you know, sometimes I liked the sort of tet a tet in words too, like the actual line deliveries that aren't necessarily in in the musical numbers. I really appreciate that. So, again, this sort of final face off between Riff and and Bernardo, I guess, I you know, when you pack in the craft that I that I talked about from you know, the beginning of the review to me, that is, I mean, that is the best, it is the best moment in the film. Yeah. I mean, the music is just so good. It's gotta be a musical number for me. And I think it's probably either America or I feel pretty. I think those for me were the, the standouts, you know, I, you know, already talked kind of about the, I feel pretty, um, you know, seeing how much I, I love that and how much of a star making moment it is for Rachel Ziegler. I mean, America's might be the best song in the movie. Um, And they just, again, they open it up here. Like in the original movie, it's kind of just takes place all in this one area. Like, I don't even know it. It might be like at the, the park or something like that. Um, I don't even know exactly what the location is, but here it's like out on the streets. They're walking down the street, you know, other characters are joining in. Um, It, it really, feeds into the point of the song, I think, and, you know, in the first place, which is, you know, about her reacting to the good things about America. I mean, Anita reflecting on the good things about America while Bernardo is kind of providing the context of, well, here's all the stuff that we have to put up with here as well. Um, I think when you're actually able to see that playing out in these like real world environments, like out on the street and in the neighborhood and everything, it just, it's more captivating. Um, and yeah, I mean, and this was something about the original movie too. Like it just looks so good and the colors again and everything. I just, we don't have that enough in movies anymore. And America and I feel pretty are, are definitely the same way um, in the, in this version um, just feel very alive visually and the color palette and everything is very pleasing to me. So um, yeah, those are, those are the standouts. Those are like the, you know, two of the big, like, again, for me, the moments where it's like, I love the movies, right? Like this is, this is why I come to, to the movies is to see, to feel this high. Um, all right, let's put a score on it. What do you give West Side Story out of 10? 8.2. 8.8 for me. Uh, loved the movie. Um, you know, best musical, best best of the the solid crop of musicals that we have gotten this year. Go check all of them out. Not Dear Evan Hansen, but go check out Tick, Tick, Boom, um, this and uh, In the Heights. I mean, especially In the Heights. I think this, you know, the naturally speaking, these two movies make a a nice two films you know, about the West Side of New York City. There. You don't. Um, but, you mentioned uh, Dear Evan Hansen, and I hate to to be such a downer. Um, at the end of our review, but do you know who plays Connor in the Broadway version of Dear Evan Hansen? 
I don't know. Mike Feist. Oh, I was about to say that, but but he he's he absolved, ori- right? He dies. So. He was in the original <laughs> cast. The original cast. Oh wow. Okay. Um, well, anyway, uh, on that note, uh, yeah. But see this movie. You know, this is absolute. Go to the theater and see this movie. This is a theater movie. I mean, you can't see. Well, there's no other way to see the movie except going to the theater. But I mean, don't wait for it to come on streaming or whatever in a few months on Disney Plus. I guess probably would be where it would go. But um, yeah, either there or Hulu. But don't wait for it to come on streaming. Go see this in a theater. This is you know one of the best theatrical experiences that you'll have this year. It's it's a fantastic movie. All right. That'll do it for our review of West Side Story. When we come back after the break, uh, it's the usual. We have uh, award season updates. We have Christopher Nolan updates. Um, You know, like I said, it's the usual. Uh, So stick around for that. We'll be right back. Welcome back to this episode of Some Like It, Scott. Scott, I mentioned before the break, we're doing the usual uh, Christopher Nolan updates uh, from you to to kick us off here for the news section. Um, you know, we've been talking about this Oppenheimer movie that is going to be coming out next year. Um, that is Christopher Nolan's next movie. We've been, you know, he's been slowly building out the cast and we got several new names um, kind of probably com- completing the main cast for this movie um, this week. Uh do you want to tell us who those people are? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you talk about completing the main cast. It feels like it's getting pretty pretty big at this point, right? Like, I think when you add these three names to the list, we're at like seven or eight. So, again, who knows if these characters will even feature that prominently. But they do appear to be in, well, at least two of them seem <laughs> seem to be in some, some, like some role that is identifiable. Uh, the first name added was Florence Pugh. Uh, may we all stand. Uh, she's currently featuring on Hawkeye. Disney Plus show was in Black Widow earlier this year, where she originated her role as sort of the new Black Widow, Yelena Belova. Um, but yeah, her she is going to be doing a project with Christopher Nolan, which is very exciting for me. She's playing the mistress of Killian Murphy's uh, Oppenheimer character. So Emily Blunt, if you remember back when all the earlier casting was happening, was cast to play his wife, Florence Pugh will be playing his mistress, um, or at least someone who he was accused of having an affair with. Maybe that's a better way to put it. Um, Remy Malik has also joined the cast. Uh, so going from a high to a low, I guess, for us, Scott, um, in terms of casting news, uh, he is cast to simply play a scientist. So uh, that's very exciting for the scientific movie, uh, that Remy Malik will be playing a scientist. <laughs> um, and then Benny Safdie uh, is also um, joining the cast of this movie. Probably better known for directing films like Good Time and um, most recently Uncut Gems, but he is joining as well. He has been in a couple movies recently. He does feature in a relatively brief supporting role uh, in Licorice Pizza, where he plays a politician. I, you know, I'm trying to scroll through the article right now um, and figure out and remind myself what he was cast, and I think he's like some political, actually another like a political figure as well who is interacting um with these characters yes yeah, okay no no safety plays edward teller he's a hungarian physicist who's who's the father of the hydrogen bomb um so the one the bomb that was created sort of after the atomic bomb um so that's probably again you know sort of a, another scientist i guess but one with a name 
So that, those are the three additions to the cast. As Jen, and just as a quick reminder, Killian Murphy is playing the lead. Emily Blunt, the wife, like I said. Uh, Robert Downey Jr. and Matt Damon both joined the cast as well. Um, so that when you add these three, that's seven people. So yeah, that's the full cast that we have to date on this. I'm sure it will grow bigger. This is the kind of movie which will probably have some absurd ensemble where 10 really famous people show up for a combined five minutes of the movie. It's exciting cast for the most part. Maybe one red herring and that's it. I mean, yeah, you say he's playing a scientist. If it is a mad scientist, all right, I'm on board because well, I think Scott, didn't he play a mad scientist in No Time to Die? He didn't play a mad anything. That was the problem. He just was boring, uh, which is not something scientist. that. Yeah, he did. Um, <laughs> if he plays a mad scientist, I think Remy Malik can do that. If he plays anything else, I'm not so sure. Um, so, yeah, I definitely do have. So, you know, I definitely am trepidatious about that. Obviously, you know, that is outweighed by my excitement that Florence Pugh is going to be in this movie. Although, again, a hint of skepticism just because, you know, Nolan's history with female characters is not the greatest. Um, I think he did an above average job probably with Elizabeth Debicki's character in, in Tenet, his last movie. But, um, but yeah, um, I don't know how that's going to play out. You know, obviously we have Emily Blunt, like you said, as well, who's going to be another. They, they can both be good, character. right, Scott? You can only have one or the other, probably, in terms of like good, good characters, realistically, it, at least. Historically speaking, yeah, kind of. But, um, but yeah, who knows? Maybe, maybe this is the one where he he gets that part of it all completely right. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, of course, I'm excited to see Florence Pugh in any movie, especially a movie of this stature. Um, and the fact that Rami Malek is also going to be in it doesn't doesn't ruin that. So um, sure. anyway, um, that's the latest on Oppenheimer. Scott, the latest from awards season, uh, the AFI Awards. These are the American Film Institute uh, Awards. Uh, they announced their nominations um, and they only do films. They they do not recognize performances or anything like that. So um, this is mainly just a, a prognosticator for uh, best picture. Um, also, another note is that they don't do international internationally produced movies since this is the American Film Institute. It's only American produced movies. So Belfast um, was not eligible uh, to be recognized, basically, because it was produced overseas and any um, of the other foreign language films that i've raved about that you haven't seen yet. sure sure i i mentioned belfast only because you know it's it, it is a notable omission from, sure. obviously, well drive my car which won films. the new york film Critics circle best film award wouldn't be eligible either for example right um but the movies which are eligible and which made the cut for their top 10 movies of the year again in no particular order coda don't look up dune king richard licorice pizza nightmare alley the power of the dog Tick, Tick, Boom, The Tragedy of Macbeth, and West Side Story. So not a whole lot of surprises in there. I think a lot of the movies that we expect to see nominated for Best Picture. I mean, you know, things could happen with Best Picture, obviously, in the coming coming weeks. I feel like we're, we've almost, like, it's, it's almost, like, pretty set in stone, I feel like, what the eight or nine nominees for Best Picture are going to be at this point. I mean, there's, there's 10, though, this year. It's guaranteed. Right. Well, I, I think I think uh yeah, that that is that is true. But I think, you know, eight or nine of them, I guess, to my point, are are almost set in stone. I mean, you know, of the movies here, like Dune, King Richard, Licorice Pizza, Nightmare Alley, The Power of the Dog, West Side Story, 
the tragedy Macbeth. Like, I feel like all those are going to get nominated in addition to Belfast, which, like I said, the lost um, daughter. Yeah. Maybe the lost daughter makes a late push gets in there. Um, it, you know, it was recognized at the Gotham Awards, like we said, for independent films mainly. But yeah, it didn't make the cut here. Um, but that's that's definitely one which could take, you know, one of those final two spots. But again, I think those movies that I mentioned there, I mean, almost all of these movies, I think maybe the two that would you would have a question mark around are Coda, which I still think has a pretty decent chance to get a Best Picture nomination just because it is such a crowd pleaser. And so. tick tick boom tick tick boom. I don't think we'll get a nomination for best picture. Um, there, yeah, two musical. I mean, I don't know. Stephen Sondheim, the love for him might be strong. He gets to be in. Yeah. He gets to be. You know, obviously, an obvious that is true. to West Side Story, and he's literally in. Well, the man himself is not in, but he is performed by Bradley Whitford in in tick tick boom. Yeah. Um, you're you're right on there um it it could sneak in there um but i guess in general um looking at these 10 movies there Wouldn't are it be like nice if we had a foreign language film it would um but there there are eight of them that i would say are close to being locks for best picture nomination in my opinion sure. um so too, just, too, just too much shakespeare in this year's race scott macbeth <laughs> and romeo and juliet get out of here yeah, uh, Shakes, old Shakes is making a comeback in 2021. Um, He's been Scott, getting nominated for 400 years. <laughs> the Boston uh, Film Critics Association, your former uh, pr- place of residence, yeah. um, also released their uh, awards, uh, actually their winners for the year. They rejected my uh, application three years in a row. I don't know why. Uh, the top 10 films, according to them, uh is know, jeff again, snyder this, in this list do you think i don't think so uh I, I don't know he could be but um the top 10 films and again you know we will see some variation here because this is film critics who are voting as opposed to you know the the afi um the power of the dog licorice pizza the green knight drive my car pig dune titan the worst person in the world spencer and flea so yeah, four foreign language films in there with Drive My Car, Titan, The Worst Person in the World, and Flea, um, all making the cut. Again, don't don't really expect any of them to get nominated for Best Picture. Um, this is more just, as we talked about in the past, the uh, film critics choosing to sort of recognize, um, you know, movies that they loved that are probably not going to get the actual awards recognition. Uh, the Green Knight and Pig are two other examples there, I think, of, you know, independent movies that um, were what were very well received, but are too quirky, probably, to to catch the attention of the Academy. Um, they're winners, Scott. Um, it's not hard to see what movie was the big winner here. It was The Power of the Dog winning seven awards, um, including Best Picture, Best Director for Jane Campion, Best Actor for Benedict Cumberbatch, Best Supporting Actor for Cody Smith-McPhee, Best Supporting Actress for Kirsten Dunst, Best Screenplay for Jane Campion, Best Cinematography for Ari Wegner. Um, the movie absolutely cleaned up. Um, the lone act, act, acting uh, winner that what didn't come from this movie was Kristen Stewart winning Best Actress for Spencer yet again. Um, further down the list, 
licorice pizza winning for best ensemble um you know that will probably be in the mix best ensemble it, it come, comes like I, made, I feel like i made this joke last week like i don't know you this is kind of weird though right they awarded three of the performances in this movie best actor but then they don't win the best ensemble that's very i don't know that's kind of weird yeah that that is strange i guess uh but yeah everyone else everyone else in the cast there. is like Je- what does it say jesse plemons is just dog shit in this movie like, <laughs> i guess so uh and thomas and mckenzie um mm. true but yeah i mean licorice pizza i would expect to see that probably in contention at the uh the sag awards too which is where the the big best ensemble prize is given away um but wins it there scott i know something else you'll appreciate uh hans zimmer won a best score for dune um and joe walker won best editing for dune as well best documentary unsurprisingly went to flee since it did make the cut for the top 10 movies and best international film (laughs) went to the worst person in the world Um, beating drive my car in theory and the worst part titan yeah yeah titan yeah, uh, Scott, documentary, I think, is going to be an interesting category this year. Like, I do feel like Flea might be the front runner at this point, but I, I do think that, like, Summer of Soul is probably going to give it a run for its money. Does Netflix well. even um, have a movie in the race? For a documentary? Like, yeah, I don't know. Like, they've, they've would dominated be, it would be the unu- last few years. It'd be unusual if they didn't, yeah. Uh, I mean, they had three of the nominees in 2019. <laughs> I think three of the, like, two or three of the nominees last year. It's pretty crazy. Like Nat Geo has a bunch of them. They have what Nat Geo has the rescue has. Um, um, is it becoming Cousteau? Right. Yeah. And what's the, they have another one too. Though the first wave, I think, is Nat Geo too. They've got a pretty good. Yeah, that that sounds yeah. right. Yeah. I was going to try to look at Gold Derby and see what they had in the mix, but I don't know. I'm having trouble getting there. But anyway, um, I do think Flea is the front runner. I do think Flea is probably the front runner as well. And Flea could do the incredibly weird thing, which probably has never been done before. Uh, animated best documentary, and best animated, best international feature. It could get all of them. I don't. I doubt that that's ever been done before. I know Honeyland got two. Uh, got well, it didn't win, but it got two of them a couple years back because it was an international feature and a documentary. But yeah, the animated spin is is the interesting part. Yeah, I mean, sure. I guess you know the main competition for animated would be. The Mitchells versus the Machines, Luca, um, Encanto might be in there. Um, mm-hmm. And Mitchells versus Machines did win at the film at the Boston Film Critics that I was just talking about. But um, again, that might be a film critic thing. I, I, you know, I'm still a little bit jaded about what happened to the Lego movie in the past, but it does seem like, you know, they, they did pick Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. Maybe they are, um, you know, embracing the quirkier more hyperactive lord miller style of animation which obviously is in mitchell's versus machines as well so um that might well, be and the reason for that is is that it's a it is the same studio sony yes. pictures animation yes. um at, at least as end of the spider verse i i don't remember where lego was made actually <laughs> maybe uh maybe uh mitchell's versus the machines will be able to just to grab it for that reason but i think flea has a good chance for documentary and animated i don't know about international feature again because it is i think going to be a strong category i, I will uh, be really disappointed if it wins best international feature like the movie's good it, it's powerful to yeah. an extent but it has to my in my opinion it has serious limitations to it um and i think that there's like three there's at least three 
international features that I've seen this year that are head and shoulders <laughs> above Flea, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, again, you would think that the worst person in the world and drive my car would be would be in there for sure. I mean, I guess parallel. I, guess I mean, I hope can. parallel mothers too. No one's seen yeah. it yet. It's the right. It hasn't kind of hasn't really come out yet. Um, outside of the film, the New York Film Festival, I don't think it's shown. I don't know how many other festivals it's even shown at. Um, and it comes out in a couple of weeks, so hopefully people will see that. And I hope that that's in the conversation. But yeah, I mean, I think the two movies you said plus. Parallel Mothers, and then, I mean, I think two times in the conversation, even if it's not likely to win. It's not going to win, yeah. Yeah. All all things that will continue to take shape uh, over the course of the next few weeks and months, Scott, as we approach the Oscars. But for now, that will do it for this episode of Some Like It, Scott. Where can our listeners find you on social media? At Shelton 2013 And I'm at Scarby Dent on Twitter and Letterboxd. Uh, you can follow me there. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of the podcast. If you have and you'd like to support us, uh, don't forget uh, about our Patreon page at patreon.com slash pods. You can support us over there. Uh, even if you can't support us over there, however, uh, we hope that uh, you will uh, like, rate, review, subscribe, do all of the things that you do on your preferred podcast app to continue to support our podcast. And we hope that you will be back for our next episode of the podcast on which we will be reviewing the final MCU entry of 2021 spider-man no way home Uh, but until then for scott shelton i'm scott harvey we'll see you down the road